Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I'm going to do that host thing for you today on the show. Thank you for joining me. Today, I got another case study for you. Um, This is one that kind of kicked my butt this week. Uh, I spent way more time on it than I should have. Uh, The solution to the problem uh, wasn't really anything that special. Um, I let myself go down a bit of a rabbit hole here, uh, mainly because I didn't understand how the system worked, or maybe I assumed I, I thought I knew how it worked, and you'll find that I didn't. But anyways... Here's the scenario. Here's what we're dealing with. This is a 2013 Ford F-150 4x4 truck. Okay, so a very popular vehicle. Uh, There's lots and lots of these out on the road. So chance you might run into something similar. And hopefully I can save you a little bit of time here uh, going through my challenges and my struggles to get through this one. So um, it's 3.5 liter uh the turbo, the turbo EcoBoost. Not that that's super important for this diagnosis. Um, here's what the problem was with this vehicle. Shop called me and take a look at it. They said the four by four is not engaging. Okay, so obviously four wheel drive truck normally in two engage the front wheels using a transfer case, and they said that they had replaced both the transfer case control module, the switch in the dash. It's an electronic switch and the motor slash encoder plate on the transfer case itself. And it still won't engage into four-wheel drive. Okay. So the parts cannon has been launched at this one um, and still can't get it to work. All right, cool. I'll come check this out. So just a real quick overview of the system in case you're not familiar. This is an electronically shifted transfer case. So there is an actual DC motor that's bolted to the back of the transfer case that's going to move a shift fork to put it anywhere in too high, four high, or four low, depending on what you select on the dash using an electronic switch. And of course, there's a transfer case control module that's behind the right kick panel uh, that's in charge of observing the switch and moving the motor. And there is vacuum engaged wheel hubs on the front axle to either release or engage the front wheels, basically to lock in the front axle. That didn't have anything to do with this concern, but those do have their own sets of problems if you've dealt with those trucks. But it wasn't the front axle that was the issue here. It was as soon as you turn that switch from two-wheel drive to four high or four low, an error message comes up on the dash, says service four by four system, and it will not go into four-wheel drive. So we're not even getting to the point of the transfer case engaging. uh, So we didn't have to deal with the wheel hubs at all on this one. So first thing, of course, I want to do is verify the concern. Luckily, this was a hard fault. Happened every single time. Uh, You go to put the transfer case into four high. You get the error message on the dash. And I connected with the scan tool uh, to the transfer case control module. And I was just using my launch here. And I pulled a code. And of course, there was an error code in the transfer case control module. So the code that I had was a P1867. And that is defined as transfer case contact plate 
general circuit failure. Okay, so um, we might be dealing with a circuit issue here. Um, and who knows, you know, maybe it's a wiring issue, maybe it's a problem in the contact plates. Um, you know, they put a aftermarket motor slash encoder plate on this thing. So who knows, but general circuit failure. I read into the code just a little bit more just because I want to know, you know, is there any more information that this thing can offer me uh, as far as where the problem is? And it says that it, the fault sets, this P1867, the fault sets when an invalid shift motor position is detected during a selection of a new four-wheel drive mode or during motor movement. Okay, so it's basically detecting a problem with the circuit when you go to change from two-wheel to four-wheel or possibly even four-wheel to two-wheel. Basically, you're making a shift of that transfer case and the module is observing that something is wrong. It doesn't exactly say what, and that's in the name of the code is general circuit description, but it's detecting an error. And again, it's hard fault. Every single time I do this, uh, the error sets, the code sets, every single time I do this, the error message comes on the dash and the code set. So it's very frequent. But how is it making this determination, right? So what what is the transfer case control module actually looking at to say, hey, there's a problem here? So inside of the motor assembly that you bolt to the back of the transfer case, this is all one unit. There's a contact plate assembly, which basically is just a series of switches, okay? There are four switches inside this contact plate on this truck. And it's looking for these switches to be in particular positions depending on where the transfer case is, right? And the transfer case mod module wants to see that to verify, okay, yep, the transfer case did physically move to the commanded position, right? And it's using a DC motor to actually move it. And then this is just the verification. What I did find, which was kind of odd, if I left the truck in two-wheel drive, okay, so the selector switches on two and I clear the codes, no codes will set on this thing and there's no error message on the dash. The code only sets when I move it into four-wheel drive. Then you get the air and you get the code, but you could drive it around all day long in two-wheel drive and you'd never see an error message and you'd never see a code, which I thought was pretty interesting. But um, we'll continue on with the diagnosis here. So I have to decide which way that I want to go. What do I want to check here? Uh, do I need to look at the motor? Um, you know, I can't hear anything on this motor when I go to select um, four and it sets this error code, I don't hear this motor click, make any noise. Okay, so that's a potential. Maybe this motor's not moving. Um, is it the contact plate itself? Not registering the correct position, uh, not closing switches when it's supposed to. Do we have wiring? Do we have module issue? Or is it a physical transfer case issue, right? Is there a mechanical fault? I've seen that plenty of times before where a mechanical fault in the transfer case will cause some error codes to set that even signify, you know, circuit or switch position, but it's because there's something broken inside. So how do I want to tackle this? Well, first things first, I really want to understand how this switch assembly works uh, before I try to analyze what's going on with the circuit. So I find the easiest way to do this is to pull up a wiring diagram. Okay. I want to see the diagram. And, you know, if we have an understanding of electrical circuits, we can figure out the operation of something just by looking at the diagram. So that's what I'm going to do here. I pull this up and it's pretty similar whether you're looking at a redrawn or the factory Ford diagram, uh, pretty similar 
schematic or drawing. doesn't really show anything more or less either way, but here's what is in there. There is, again, a series of four switches inside the transfer case. Uh, they call it a contact plate. I know I've said encoder several times. It's just another word for it. But anyways, there's four switches in there. And each switch, they label them A, B, C, and D, each switch has battery voltage coming into it on a separate circuit, right? So we have four wires, and I'm not going to bother you with wiring colors because it doesn't matter for this. You would if you're diagnosing it. But for this, it doesn't matter. There are four wires with battery voltage from the transfer case control module going all the way down to the transfer case. And these battery voltage supplied wires feed directly into these switches anytime the key is on. Okay. Now there's a fifth wire. And there's actually more wires in this going to the transfer case because we have the motor and there's a clutch solenoid. Again, at this moment, not worried about those. I'm just focused on our uh, position switch down at the transfer case. So this fifth wire, and I'll give you the color of this wire because we are going to be dealing with this one a little bit. It was brown white. And this brown white wire also comes from the transfer case control module, goes all the way down to this contact plate assembly, and it feeds a ground into each one of these switches on the opposite side. So let's just focus on one because I realize this is audio only and it's a little difficult to explain wire diagrams, audio only. Imagine a switch and one side of the switch has power coming into it from a module. Now keep in mind that power, because I measured battery voltage, that power is coming across a pretty high ohm resistor within the module. And I'll explain why in a moment, but we go power source through a resistor in the module out to one side of the switch in the transfer case. Okay. The other side of the switch has a ground on it. And that again comes from the transfer case control module. So when we close that switch, right, when we have physical movement and the switch closes, the battery voltage that was present on the wire coming in is now pulled down to a ground. Because again, there's a high ohm resistor within the transfer case control module. So it's not like a we're shorting the circuit directly to ground. We're just pulling down the voltage, right? We're completing the circuit. We're creating voltage drop across a resistor within the module. But the control module is watching on the switch side of that resistor within itself. And it's seeing, okay, does this pull down to ground when the switch closes? Or when it does pull down to ground, the switch must be closed. That's what it assumes. Okay, so that's just one circuit, right? We close the switch, we pull one of those wires down to ground, and the module observes that and recognizes switch position. Okay, and there's four of those, right? And each one of those has its own separate power, has its own separate monitoring for switch position, and they all get fed the same ground on one wire. And again, that's our brown white wire. So hopefully you understood what I was saying there. I think I'll probably put up a picture of the diagram in the Facebook group, just in case you want to pause here, take a look at the diagram might help you out um, as we're going through this, but either way, we'll continue on here. So these switches are going to have various positions depending on what position the transfer case is in. Too high, four high, four low, they're going to alternate positions, open or closed. And some of them will be open, some of them will be closed depending on the position. That's the whole purpose of this contact plate. And you can actually 
monitor these positions, these switch contact positions in the scan tool with data pits. Very helpful, right? I just want to see where are my switches. And again, they're labeled A through D. So A, B, C, D. My question now is what is normal, right? What positions should these be in depending on the state of the transfer case? So I do a little searching in service information and see if I can find some sort of chart or information that would tell me. And I do. It's in there. Pretty easy to find. Uh, I found it under the pinpoint testing for this particular code, actually. And in two-wheel drive, which the truck is in currently, A, C, and D should be closed, Okay, meaning those switches are closed and we're pulling those circuits down to ground. And B should be open. All right. That's our normal for two-wheel drive. And that's all I care about at the moment because that's where the truck is. It is actually in two-wheel drive right now. So that's what I should see on those switch positions. I look at my data stream and just, I got the truck running. They all read open. It really didn't matter what I did. I could do key on engine off, key on engine running, put it in gear. They all read open, all four, A through D open, which is not what service information specifies as far as position. So I thought that was odd. I also thought it was odd, and I mentioned this earlier, if I cleared the codes in two-wheel drive, I went into the TC or the transfer case control module, cleared codes, left it into no code set, all the switch positions read open at this point. I was like, well, that's kind of strange. I don't know what's going on there. That doesn't seem right. And obviously we have a problem with the circuit, but it's odd that they are all reading open at the moment. So let's try a shift here. Let's move the selector on the dash and we moved it to four-wheel drive. And I watched on the scan data and A and D, they close briefly. They go from open to closed for maybe a couple seconds and then back to open. And this is when the code sets, RP1867, immediately as soon as we move that switch to four-wheel drive, our code sets. And then everything goes back to open again. So it was only about two seconds. I saw a couple of switches move, and then they went back, all of them, to an open state, regardless of where I have the shift uh, selector on the dash. So I'm kind of wondering in my mind, why are all of these switches reading open? And I did see a couple of them change state briefly, but something strange here. I think what would benefit me at this point is do a good visual inspection because I really hadn't been under the vehicle yet. I'm kind of just doing everything from the driver's seat at this moment, but let's just see if there is any visible damage to the wiring from the transfer case up to the transfer case control module. And of course the harness runs from the transfer case above the transfer case alongside the top of the transmission up alongside the back side of the engine. It's kind of near the turbo, but it's far enough away where it's not too close. And then it runs over to the passenger side fender well and goes through the firewall. And then the transfer case control module is right on the other side of that firewall. So I give it just a good visual inspection because it's a good idea. And this harness has a like a metal heat shielding that goes around it almost the entire length underneath the vehicle. Nothing seemed out of place, nothing visible wrong with that harness where it got pinched or split or crushed or anything like that or melted. I didn't see anything like that. Okay. So it's always important to do a good visual. You'll catch a lot of problems that way, but didn't see anything in this case. 
But I'm still wondering why are these all open? Maybe it's a you know the transfer case encoder motor itself is just having a malfunction. That's possible. But I want to do some tests to confirm this, right? Because they already pl- replaced that motor. Yeah, aftermarket part. So there's no such thing as a new part, especially aftermarket stuff. But let's do some testing. Let's confirm. I want to be able to give them the right answer so they can just fix the car. So let's do some circuit testing here to confirm what we're seeing on the scan tool. That's my goal. And I want to make this as easy as possible. So I actually go to C140, uh, which is in that harness I was talking about that goes from the transfer case control module down to the transfer case, but it's under the hood and it's right by the battery. So very easy to access. I could have went to the module. I could have went to the transfer case, but I didn't feel like crawling under the truck or working under the dash. So I'm going to go right in the middle of the circuit. We'll see what we get and we go from there, right? So remember, we're dealing with five circuits here. Four should have power coming from the transfer case control module to the switch assembly. And one should have a ground, right? That's it. That's all I'm dealing with. Now, again, there's more circuits for the motor and the clutch solenoid. Not worried about those right now. Maybe I will be if I discover that, you know, that's where our issue is. But again, I'm concerned with the data that I saw in the scan tool. So I check all four of those wires at this C140 by the battery have power on them, have battery voltage. Okay. Now my brown white wire, which should have a ground, does not. I do not have a ground on this wire. Now, again, this ground is supplied by the transfer case control module under the dash goes down to our switch assembly. And in fact, I not only don't have a ground on this wire, but I have a power. I have battery voltage on this ground wire as the vehicle sits there. I don't remember if I had the key on or the engine running. It didn't matter. Um, Two wheel drive. And I don't have a ground on this wire. Now, based on the diagram, based on everything I saw, I should have a constant ground here, but instead I have power. And so I wanted to go right to the module at this point. It's easy enough. I pull a kick panel on the passenger side and I check at the module at this brown white wire and I have power there. I mean, back probed into that module, I have power all the way to it. And I pull the connector off, check the pin fit just to see are we you know, not making contact inside of there. It it was good. Right. And this is kind of the point where (laughs) I started to waste some time because now I'm convinced, well, something's wrong here. We should have a ground on this wire, but I have power on this wire instead. What's happening here? Um, Is the module just not providing a ground? Um, when it should be, you know, is there some internal problem? Is there some short to voltage somehow? I'm not really sure, but I want to know where this power is coming from that I should, it should be a ground, right? So my thought process is here. Well, maybe there's a couple of wires shorted together within this harness, or here's the other thing, given the switch positions that I saw on my diagram and in service information, even in two wheel drive, some of those should be closed. So let's think about this. If the ground was open within the module, which it's kind of looking like that's the case, and it was still providing power to the switch, which it was, and one of those switches is closed or multiple of those switches are closed, the power would then travel through the switch all the way on the ground wire until the point of the open, right? Um, and that, that that might be what I'm seeing here. So how do I eliminate that? Well, what I did was I went underneath, I unplugged the transfer case control module, and now that power 
that's on that ground wire is gone. Okay. So again, just to sum up what I did there, I have power on the ground, the brown light wire at the module. And I want to know, is it a short or is it going through the switch? So I unplug the connector, the transfer case control module, eliminate the switch, basically open all the switches. And now I have nothing on that brown white. Not only do I not have a ground, but I don't have my power anymore. Okay. So it's not shorted to power. It's actually getting power through the closed switch contact points, which also tells me that the switch, at least maybe they're not in the right position. I don't know that, but there is a closed switch inside of there. And going back we in our data PIDs, we saw all of them open and I don't have a ground on this wire. Okay. So is this a module? It sure seems like it, right? Check my powers and grounds, of course, especially grounds. I'm really concerned about grounds. Let's load these things down with a headlight bulb. Everything's good to this module. So the next thing I did, I just really wasn't understanding exactly what's going on here. You know, kind of seems like a module fault, but I wanted to apply a ground to this brown white wire, uh, you know, independently from the module. So all I'm doing is I'm jumping uh, from the body of the vehicle, the ground to this brown white wire while I'm watching the data pids on the scan tool to see, do they change? Um, you know, do I have my A, C, and D closed in two wheel drive like I should? So I apply the ground to this brown white wire while the key's on and nothing happens with the switch positions. And not only does nothing happen with the switch positions when I do this, I set a separate code in the transfer case control module, which was a P1861. I had a 67 before. Now I have a 61. And this says, and I didn't even have to move the shift selector for this, but this says transfer case plate ground return open circuit. Okay. I mean, that kind of seems like what I do have is some sort of open circuit, but how come this didn't set before? How come it happened when I applied a ground to it? And I did this right at the module, right? I'm just putting a ground right at that module and saying open circuit. And I read the description of this code. It says the fault sets when pin five, which is my brown white, my ground wire, detects a short to ground voltage or open circuit. And I'm like, huh? How can a ground circuit be shorted to ground? I get how it could be open. I get how it could be shorted to voltage, but how could it be shorted to ground? It's a ground wire. Isn't that what it's supposed to be? I don't really know what's going on here. Now, I did mention at the beginning of this, they put a used module in there. So I'm questioning that as well. Is it the right module? Is it failed? You know, what's going on here? So I asked them, can I have the original one? Do you have the original one? And they did. So I take the original transfer case control module that was, you know, came out of the vehicle that they swapped out for a used one, plug it in, exact same thing. No ground on that brown white wire. Nothing changes with the original module. So now I'm very suspicious because I'm thinking, what are the odds that two modules <laughs> have the exact same fault? It's possible, that, you know, it's a used module, so it's possible, but Ah, that's pretty unlikely. Um, and I, I've got to do some more thinking and do some more testing before I make that call to say, yeah, you got two modules with the exact same problem. Um, so let, let's think, sit back and think about what's going on here. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I don't understand something. 
So a lot of times, you know, when you're frustrated, when you don't really know which direction to go, it's good to just kind of take a step back. Um, if you have the opportunity to do this, maybe leave the vehicle alone for a little while, but just sort of get out of that tunnel vision, which mine was definitely focused on this, you know, particular ground circuit. And, you know, I had good reason for it, but it's not getting me anywhere. I need to rethink my approach to this because uh, I I just have a gut feeling that there's something else going on here. This is not a module fault. So I was thinking about what I had done so far and what I had observed. And one of the things that I did observe that I didn't really think about at the time, but was when I was first watching the switch positions and I moved the selector from two high to four high, I did see A and D show closed briefly on the scan tool. Okay. And other than directly applying an independent ground to those circuits, I never saw them move any other time than that. So what's the deal with that? Why? And it was only for about two seconds. They showed closed, then they went back to open. And I could repeat this. If I went back into my scan tool, I could see A and D go close and then open real quick. I was like, huh, that is, that is really strange. Um, what's, what's happening here? So at this point, I decided, okay, I'm going to go right down to the transfer case and I'm going to hook up my scope. I hook up the Pico so I can put it on multiple channels and I'm going to record what's going on on these circuits. Um, I couldn't do all five at one time, but I picked three and I picked the ground wire going into that switch assembly, right? So our four power wires and our one ground, I'm hooked up to four of them and I just want to see when I command a shift, what happens on these wires? And prior to that, I was actually using my U-scope, but I didn't have it on a big time base. I didn't have it on a recording. I was just moving it to you know, one of the positions and then observing what was on the wire. And I, I definitely missed something by doing it that way. I should have been looking at it in real time as I was moving the selector. And this is kind of my advice to you if you're working on one of these vehicles. Once I viewed what was happening on these circuits with a scope, I understood how this control module functions in reality, how it actually works. When I go from two-wheel drive to four-wheel drive, or it doesn't matter, any change in position with my selector switch on the dash, the control module is obviously going to look at the switch positions and then move the motor. That's how this operates because you start off in too high and it's going to verify, okay, we're in too high. It's going to move the motor and it expects to see it change positions. Those switch positions will move if the transfer case actually goes in the four. That's normal function. But here's the deal. Here's the, the, the weird part about how this one operates. Only when you make a selection with that switch does the computer apply a ground to that brown white wire. Okay. So, I mean, this is a, this is an input, right? This is a switch. This is data into a module. I'm not used to seeing those, those circuits be switched on and off. I'm used to seeing that in an output all the time, but not an input, especially a ground supplied to a switch. You just don't see this very often. At least I don't. I'm sure there's exceptions to that. I'm sure people have seen this out there, but I am not used to this. And looking at it on the scope, I can see it happen. I can see as soon as you move that selector switch, 
the module applies a ground to that brown white wire. Now it's always applying the power to the other four, but only for about two to three seconds during a shift will it apply a ground to that brown white wire. And then it basically activates the switches, right? So that was my brief closed position that I saw on A and D in the scan tool. It's only when you're making a switch, right? So if I just have that switch sitting in two or sitting in four, everything reads open because there's no ground to the switch. And that is by design. That's how it's supposed to work. And it explains why I got that P1861 when I jumped a ground to that brown white when I had this, the switch selector just sitting in two, the module's not expecting to see a ground on that wire unless you make a shift. So it's going to set that code, say, hey, we got a short to ground on this wire. It's not supposed to be there. Um, now, in my mind, it should just be grounded all the time, but th that's not how they designed this. Now, it doesn't really lay this out for you too well in service information that the, this is how this works. It gives you a chart, shows you the switch positions. Okay, well, I'm in two. This is what I should see. I don't see it. And there's the problem. There is a clue, though, if you read all the details, and I'll come back to that. But let's figure out what's wrong with this particular truck, and then I'll, I'll come back to the hint that's within service information if you read and if you understand how to use your tool. Um, anyways, so I did have my ground on this wire when it was supposed to be there. That wasn't my problem. That was what I was chasing for quite some time, and that was not my issue. Here's my issue. At the transfer case control module, I had no power on my violet green wire, which goes to switch C inside the transfer case. So let me explain what was going on here. I mentioned that when I moved it to four high, the computer expects to see its positions for too high, right? Before it actually makes the movement. And that's why this motor never moved because it didn't see what it was expecting to see in too high. And that's supposed to be a, C, and D closed and too high. And then when you move it to four, it's supposed to be B and C closed and then A and D open. Unless you're actually on this truck, those positions don't matter too much. But here's the deal. C read open as soon as I commanded that switch, right? So the ground was then applied to the switch assembly and the computer expected to see three switches closed, but it only saw two close. C never did, or at least it didn't see that. And looking at it with my scope, I didn't have any power to see right at the transfer case. Now, if you remember earlier, I was testing up by the battery and the module. I had power there on this violet green wire. Okay. So this is just an open wire, guys. <laughs> I've been I've been messing around with this thing for quite some time for an open wire. There's no power to switch C. So when the transfer case module is about to try and shift, it's like, all right, let's see, are we in two-wheel drive? Oh, nope. Switch C is not in the right position. Shut it down. Let's set that 1867 general circuit failure. Okay, so um, this is as simple as finding an open wire. So I told the shop, let's pull this in. Let's get it up in the air. Let's pull this harness down and give a visual inspection to it because I couldn't see anything on the ground. We did that. It's got this heat shielding around it. We tore it open, found that wire. It had been pinched at one point, caused kind of a crease in the insulation. It split. Water got in there, corroded. It was open. 
okay, so we fixed this wire, <laughs> this one wire, put it all back together in the harness, put it back in the vehicle, four-wheel drive works. It's all good. It's fixed. That was it, right? <laughs> that was all it was looking for is when it goes to shift the transfer case, I want to see all those switches in the right spot, then I'll move the motor, and then I want to see the switches move. But it didn't see it, so it shutted everything down. It never even attempted to move the motor until it saw the correct positions. But the key there is, is that ground to that switch is only applied when you command a switch of the transfer case for about two to three seconds, then it releases it. So interesting, and hopefully that'll save you some time. But let me tell you something else that <laughs> this would have saved me some time and hopefully uh, save you some time in the future if you use the Ford IDS. And uh, I didn't connect the dots on this until later this week when I was listening to another podcast. And I'll get into details of that, but let's go back to the service info real quick. Um, under the pinpoint testing for P1867, our general circuit failure, it shows you the contact plate positions for each gear. And I mentioned that in a chart, but above that chart, there are some instructions, which I read, but I didn't really comprehend. Okay. First step, enter the data logger. Well, duh. I mean, that's, we're looking at data pits to see these switch positions. So I'm already there. Um, and I was using my launch, uh, if this only applies to the IDS, which I have, I just didn't pull out because it's a laptop and a pass through my launch is much quicker, but in this case, IDS would have uh, saved me some time. Of course, I needed to understand how the tool works. But um, anyways, the next step here, I read it, but I didn't really understand what it meant. It says command the transfer case contact plate power PID, and it gives you the acronym of the PID, to energize the transfer case gear motor encoder assembly. And then it says to watch the PIDs and it gives you the chart. What does that mean? It sounds like a bi-directional control, but Ford really doesn't have great bi-directional controls. They never have. Maybe some, but it's always been limited as far as what I've seen in aftermarket scan tools and even using the IDS. It just, you don't have a whole lot of bi-directional controls with Ford. Well, I mentioned that I just happened to be listening to another podcast, uh, CARM's Remarkable Results podcast, and Matt Fonslow was on an episode, and he was talking about scan tools. And all credit to him here, because again, I I connected the dots once I listened to him talking about the Ford IDS and how it's not really intuitive, and it does have bi-directional controls, but it is within the data logger, within the data PIDs, you can actually control outputs for the vehicle. And I had absolutely no idea that you could do this with the Ford IDS. Well, as it turns out, you can. And as it turns out, if you look at the data PIDs, when you select them in the IDS, you go into the data logger, each data PID that has a pound symbol or hashtag or uh, the symbol that you would use for number, I think you guys can figure out what I'm talking about here. Each one, each data pit that has that next to it has a bi-directional control. So once you enter your um, data pit list and your graphing stuff, if you look over to the right, you, you hover over, you click on the data pit that has the little hashtag next to it. I'm sure that's not what Ford calls it, but then you'll see another hashtag over on the right side of the screen. You click on that and then it allows you to change the state of that output. 
Okay. Well, that's what the service information was talking about here with my contact plate power or transfer case contact plate power to energize the transfer case gear motor encoder assembly. Really what that is, is if I would have known about this, I didn't actually do it on this truck, but I tried it. I was messing around with my Ford Transit Connect just to see how this worked. If I would have activated that, that would have activated the ground side of that switch assembly. Now, of course, yes, I could do it just by moving the switch, but if I can do it through the scan tool right there, I could command it on and off and look at those switch positions, it would have been much more efficient. And that's what they're telling you to do in the service information. They're saying you got to activate this ground side of the circuit and then observe the switch positions. I had absolutely no idea when I read that. So anyways, I hope that's helpful. And again, thanks to Matt for bringing that up because it all kind of came together in my head. I'm like, Oh, okay. This would have saved me a lot of time had I read the instructions, understood how to use my tool that I own. Uh, it would have made my life a lot easier. But hey, we learn something new every single day in this industry. It's one of the things that I actually really enjoy about working on cars, whether it's just strictly repair or diagnosis or a combination of the two. Uh, it is never monotonous, right? Well, I mean, I guess if you're bolting on tires and brakes all the time, maybe it can be. But, uh, you know, if you're doing uh, repair on these vehicles, you're diagnosing things, you're going to get something new thrown at you all the time. Every single day, you're going to be learning something. And maybe it's frustrating, but boy, it sure keeps it interesting. It's never boring <laughs> in this field uh, with what we're working on. So I thought I'd share all that with you. Hopefully you found that information helpful. And if you run into one of these, uh, you got a little better idea on how this system is supposed to work. So like to thank everybody for tuning in, listening to the show and all the great feedback I've been getting. Really appreciate it. But other than that, let's all get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.